0: This episode is brought to you by WorkRamp. WorkRamp turns customer education into a growth engine for your business by delivering delightful learning experiences that increase product adoption and customer retention. Those are crucial, crucial metrics. WorkRamp's all-in-one learning platform is trusted by top education teams at Outreach, Reddit, Workiva, and more. So get your demo today at workramp.com. And welcome to C-Lab, the customer education laboratory, where we explore how to build customer and education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate and exterminate the myths and the bad advice that stops growth dead in its tracks. I am Dave Darrington, co-host of the podcast, and I am welcoming aboard Stephanie. And before we before we do that, I need to do one thing that's always fun. Which is our intro? We do in every episode. What's the national day of? Well, today, drum roll, please! It's the National Chicken Fried Steak Day. Mm. Now,
1: I'm now
0: I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry.
1: I know what I'm having for dinner later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you can get a good chicken fried steak, hey, that's all about it. Stephanie, okay, welcome aboard. Uh introduce yourself briefly and then I'll frame everything up. Let's not get into your whole storyline yet cuz you have an amazing <laughs> okay. you have an amazing story here and this is your origin or hero story. But um who are you? Where are you at? This is uh, this is a big episode. This is our special work ramp episode. So tell us where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, uh Stephanie Middaw. I am the director of enablement at WorkRamp, um, and also the co-founder of the Enablement Squad community, mm. uh, currently based in Utah. I've been at WorkRamp for a little over a year, I think. Yeah, a little over a year now, um, but was a customer of theirs. And we'll get into that whole story here in a second. Um yeah. I'm a crazy cat lady. I'm like a 65 year old woman stored in a 35 year old body. Um, I don't know. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm a crazy person. Yeah, there we go.
0: <laughs> Is your cat going to photobomb us today like mine may do? I'm very kind of possible.
1: Sometimes she like jumps, like trots right in. So it's very possible you'll see her in the background.
0: All right. Well, we're looking forward to the two pet entrees in this show because we, <laughs> we enjoy that. And All right, well, Stephanie, this is amazing. Let me frame up our discussion a little bit, and we were talking about this in the pregame here. Yeah, Um, Workramp is a very interesting product for us in the education space too. And to to preface why I say that, Stephanie, it's so I've been in this field like you for a while, and we both have, have, you know, I'll let you get your story in, but if if it's Like mine, I didn't expect to be here. I had a journey that took me all kinds of different ways, but I really realized that deep down, I love teaching and I love learning and I have an insatiable curiosity for software. So we found that customer education has come out, emerged out of this need for people to learn learn faster, learn in better ways, learn in novel and new ways because the old stuff's not cutting it. Why, right, like old school. I'm not even going to talk about the platforms that were out there. <laughs>
1: They're
0: god awful. I mean, they weren't. They were designed for HR, right? They
1: who shall not be named. That's what we'll yeah. say. <laughs> oh, we can talk about them on the show,
0: but right? <laughs> but but really, it's not any. It's not a slight. It's the realities of a yeah. changing environment and economy. So to frame up even further, I've had some experiences that brought me in alignment with WorkRamp and enablement teams that I thought were amazing. I feel like enablement and education are kind of two sides of the same coin where we have very complementary roles, Stephanie, whereas you are more facing downward and not downward, inside to our culture, to our teams, because they need to know the product. They need to know the space. They need to know what tools else they have to use to get their job done that aren't our products, right? So there's a lot to unpack there. That's not customer education. The customers of which our enablement teams are members of, are everybody's a customer who uses the product. Now I'm looking externally as customer education, and I'm focusing on what what do they need to know? How do they get up to speed? What other tools, what, what other concepts do they need? So we can interchange the words enablement and education fluidly. It doesn't matter. What matters to me? Is that here we are, peanut butter jelly time. I'm going to play the song. We're, no, really. Like, I can't do my job without enablement. And enablement, can you do your job without education? Well, you probably do your job without me. Why I say that is because I want to know the world that you have, because how we approach our customers matters a lot in how I build content. Right? Totally. So, if it's very important to me to say, I feel like we are partners and we need to strengthen that partnership, which is why I really wanted you on the show, Stephanie, particularly with the work you've been doing with the Enablement Squad. Like we have the C Lab market and, and we have Slack channels and like we're all doing kind of the same thing. How do we get closer together and how do we partner? That's where I want to start our, our conversation today and talking about you and WorkRamp and this whole field of enablement.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm doubt like let's dive right in all right well can you just tell
0: us your hero story you want to start with that (laughs) first you're gonna start about work ramp first and and talk about how did you get here I'll I'll let you lead because that's more fun that way
1: (laughs) well after my hero story I expect some executive to connect with me about creating my own avenger character or something but um basically like I, so I was going to be a teacher when I was going to call it basically actually throughout most of my childhood. I wanted to be a teacher. Grade always changed. Um, Got to college. I was going to teach high school English. That's how, that's where I settled. Um, And then I had a little bit of a quarter life crisis. um, And I was like, I think I was a year and a half away from student teaching. And I was like, holy shit, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. And it was this moment of like, you're, I think I was like 22, 23 at the time. And everything that I knew that I had wanted was just like up in the air and I didn't know what I wanted anymore. So I was like, well, I got to finish my degree, mm-hmm. Um drop the education part of it, and then decided to kind of like move back home to Southern California, find a job and finish up basically the credits that I needed to get my bachelor's out of community college to save myself some money. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately for me, student loans are like, you're not in school full-time anymore. So you're going to have to pay us some money. Um, So I needed a job. And my only work experience up until that point was basically receptionist work before I went to college. Um, So I found the first company that would hire me as a receptionist, didn't negotiate my salary or anything like at the time. Um, and it was weirdly enough, it was an ERP software company, which if you're familiar yeah. with kind of the space, it's like an old school kind of, you know, on-premise solution. Um, I didn't know anything about it, but I was like, yay, I got a job. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Fast forward a little bit, kind of like through the crazy like world, I found myself in deal desk order processing, and then I moved into kind of sales operations. Um, and then eventually when I was getting kind of itchy in sales operations, I found this like role uh, with a former colleague of mine at this startup in Southern California, and it was called Sales Productivity at the time. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting <laughs> and different. Um, yeah. And it was, training and education of internal employees and making reps more productive. I loved sales reps because they're exciting and fun. And I get to train them, which was also exciting and fun to me. Like this is the best of both, both worlds for me. Um, So I, Ended up going back and I went and did sales productivity for a little bit. Um, I ended up getting pulled back into sales operations because they were like, Hey, do you want more money and a higher title? And I was like, Hell yeah, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> win <Win-win>. win. Um, <laughs> but then quickly discovered after like a little over a year, I was like, I'm good at this, but I really don't love it. Like, this isn't what sets my soul on fire. Um, so I pivoted back into what was now branded sales enablement. Um, and I've been there ever since. So that was, I think think five or six years ago. Um, so like now I've been doing sales enablement, like focused kind of uh, for a yeah. good five or six years at this point.
0: That's exceptional. I love that story. I, I <laughs> mean, your inner teacher, you found your inner teacher for one. And that's, I think I, I felt that and others have felt that it, there's just some, there's a characteristic in some of us. that's. I love to learn. I love to figure things out. You even said that in your story. Here you are at an ERP company, you're working with software and you're figuring all these things out. You found yeah. your way into the sales ops. And, and what are you doing there? You're trying to help people learn how to be more effective in selling the software that we have. And there's training, a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, here's a question that I have for you. And this is this is not out of complete ignorance, but it's just out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I this is an emergence thing, right? Okay. Let's go back to let's talk about customer success because mm-hmm. I know that real well. Part of my story, six, seven years ago, I I was at I found myself at GainSight. Gainsight's a SaaS, you know, a startup company, a SaaS. Yep. They were adjunct to sales, right? It's more mm-hmm. customer, it's still sales, it's revenue. Yep. And but it's a little more long-term, all these sales aside. Yeah. Post sales. Um, but what I found myself working a lot more with sales enablement people. I never heard the term before, mm-hmm. that working there. And what I'm trying to do is pin down. Like, When was the first time I heard the words customer education? Well, mm. Adam Mavrimescu on uh, the co-host of the podcast with me, is, found it. It's back in the late 1970s. Someone wrote a book on customer education. Wow. And then we'd never used it for years and years and years. So it kind of came back to life. And I'm sure somebody in the audience could say, no, it's exactly this date and this... I don't know. I love to hear that, but I feel like it emerged somewhere around, you know, mid to late 20, late late aughts and then early teens Mm. and then started to develop. But like you, you, where did you think this field of sales enablement, like you see it today, started to emerge?
1: Gosh. Um, I mean, I've, yeah. I've heard, you hear, I mean, speaking of origin stories, I mean, you hear kind of like around the campfire, like, when did sales enablement start? Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where I, I've heard this pretty consistently of like, gosh, I've been doing sales enablement for 20, 30 years, but that's not what they called it at the time. It was sales training or it was just part of, I was doing some other kind of work and it was just part of that role. So I think in some kind of capacity, sales enablement, sales productivity, whatever you want to call it has always kind of been there. There's always been a need to Uh support teams with whatever is going on in the business. I think the difference is, is that now that we find ourselves in kind of this SaaS world, especially kind of like startup SaaS companies, the rate at which the company is growing, scaling, changing is... On a daily basis, a lot of times, and right. there's there's no more is there the ability to just kind of like loop in. Well, like, well, this is part of my job is to educate once a quarter on the difference, you know, different processes that kind of came up. Now we're moving at such a fast pace that we have to actually have a dedicated headcount to figuring out like, and informing the sales team. So much is happening so rapidly. We need some team in order to kind of like support the teams in doing all of that kind of stuff. And one thing that I, I noticed was that usually it started in sales. Sales were the ones that needed the most support. But then even like five years ago, I mean, you type in enablement into LinkedIn and it was like, maybe you get a couple like responses or, you know, kind of like pings. And now you type in enablement and you see it all over the place. And I keep an eye on the like, enablement job market in general, because I'm always curious to see like what people are hiring for. And I'm starting to see if you just type in enablement, you're seeing it come up everywhere else. You see sales enablement, revenue enablement, go-to-market enablement, customer success enablement, partner enablement. Yeah. I saw one yeah. that was like marketing enablement at one point. I was like, Oof, that's, that's a new one. So I think everybody all of a sudden is realizing the impact that enablement as it's kind of, however it's defined, can really have an impact on the business overall. And like, well, why can't my department have enablement and why can't my department have kind of some support? And I think it just goes hand in hand with this idea of we're supporting our internal people. We are supporting our external customers. We're supporting even our external like partner, channel partner, reseller partner of ours, whatever we want to kind of like reference them. W- w- that should be a common thread throughout all of this employee journey, customer journey. I mean, all of those things.
0: Okay, let's go deeper. <laughs> um, no, th- I mean, this conversation has been a long time coming. I've really wanted to have yeah. this conversation out loud with you, and why? Because I fi- I finally feel connected to enablement. I finally, st- I it's not that I didn't get it, but I felt like the same way. Where. Yeah even in education you've had all these different labels like some people let's go back and talk L&D so learning and development i feel like it's it's i meet a lot of people from l and i mean dev mm-hmm. learns happening soon you go to that but when i go there i feel alien i don't feel mm-hmm. accepted i don't feel like i'm the part of the same culture it's like oh we found this new i'm like i don't know what's going on here i'm worried about ed- educating my team and i'm working in a startup company mm-hmm. and I've I've honestly had a lot of overlap with enablement like people like you yeah I'll be doing an education thing and say well can't you train us internally yes absolutely but that wasn't my charge or charter Yep. and I've just seen just like at customer education I've seen this explode now when I said I wanted to go deeper it's this discussion right here I feel like is the start of us thinking more collaboratively and aligning our communities more mm-hmm I'm not trying to force the issue but you've developed your community um of practice and practitioners yep. and and you know there's people that that I've worked with I've worked directly with that are have been in that I've gone to some of your sessions and it just feels so good it's it's like hey all right now I can actually go and get value out of those sessions too as a customer education people and when I show up to those we're changing exchanging knowledge and figuring out well we're all kind of doing the same stuff yeah but I think you've defined it. Let's go back to LD learning and development. I was talking with mm-hmm. my friend Debbie Smith this morning about this. And that we had we come up with the term of all these different kinds of trainings are happening. Nobody is organizing any of this. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Right? But we see the value. How many positions have you seen in the last couple of weeks for enablement? I see tons. Yeah. And but back in the day, we had like learning and development. That would be part of the company's topology and framework of helping to educate the team. It, it's not what we're doing today. Bec- and part of the problem with LD, there's not a problem with it for one, but part of the thinking process around learning and development is we're trying to focus on a an employee's success, on how they fit into our culture and how they come up to speed with everything. And that could involve, ha- you know, oh, we have to learn on our uh, boring compliance trainings. Okay, I got to do that, it's important but it's not the same language of, and, and I think people can get stuck in that thinking, right? Oh, we've got to get people trained. Oh, it can happen sometime. Oh, we're not that worried about time because we're inside the company, but you and I, pivoting the table, we're both looking outside. Mm-hmm. You are accountable to a line item, you know, revenue and making sure that revenue is unlocked because our, our internal team just get it. I know how to sell. I know how to use the tools. I am just jamming, right? I'm up to speed, but I'm up to speed on sales, post-sales, whatever. And, and I mean, I think that's where we're starting to get into a seg into, okay, what's work ramp? Where did work ramp come from? Yeah. What was the thinking? Now you're there. I mean, cause obviously you fell in love with this product or hope yeah. you did.
1: <laughs> uh, I
0: did too. I I really was really <laughs> impressed. I was really impressed by the capabilities. So maybe let's start talking about Workramp a little bit. Yeah. And then bring the conversation back to what we're doing and how we collaborate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tell, tell me more about Workramp because I you know, I've talked with you and Ted. I want to learn more on your t- Yeah.
1: Um so I first heard about Workramp um gosh three plus years ago now um i was at a startup company i was standing the enablement function up from the ground up um i knew that we needed some kind of lms system because it was basically just like me and like part-time of like one other person um and i needed the ability to be able to like have these trainings available whenever they needed to happen whether i was available or not um and basically, it was I had used a number of different tools on the market previously at, or, at other organizations. Some of them I was just like really excited about. Others I was like, hell no, I'm not touching that tool again because um, it was just awful. Um, but this was this was my first opportunity as like you know like a big professional to be able to go in and evaluate tools. Um, So I mistakenly just like took a demo from literally every vendor on the market, which was a mistake. Don't ever do that. If you're looking for a tool, no matter what it is, don't go and like get everybody on the market, do some research, go to G2 and like figure out, like make a a top five list or something. Um, Cause inevitably they start mashing together. Anyway, I was pretty set on a tool that I had used at my one of my previous companies that I loved. Um, And then I was put in contact with a gal that actually worked at Zoom at the time and they were using WorkRamp. And I was like, I never heard of this product before, but I will take one more demo. Like, that's it. But like, I'm drawing the line, like just one more demo. And for me, I am... I like I said it in my intro. I'm a little bit of a crazy person. I tend to think outside of the box when it comes to presenting information, training, enablement, I, all of the things. Um, and I really needed a system that was going to be able to flex with me. As far as I've got this crazy, hairbrained idea, how can I make this happen in my system? Um, and the system that I was initially looking at was basically very similar to what all the other LMS systems at the on the market were at the time, which was upload a video, type a little blurb uh, underneath it, and then ask like a multiple choice question, bada bing, bada boom, you're done. And I was like, I'm supporting a group of young 20-year-old sales reps. I (laughs) cannot just upload a video, type out a blurb, and like have them absorb that information. Like I knew it wasn't going to work for them. So I needed a system that was going to be able to give me the ability to do a number of different things and work ramp platform work ramps platform afforded me that ability. Um so decided on them and then I had in true fashion I had the craziest idea to to roll out the platform internally was I knew that change management adoption of a new tool was one of the hardest kind of things to get yeah, across. Um, I? So I, I knew I needed to have some fun with it because we had a young group of kids of I I can't say kids, young group of adults. <laughs> That I needed to kind of like get this tool in front of. So, what we ended up doing was I created a guide that was basically used every single feature. So, if you aren't familiar with WorkRamp, it's essentially a WYSIWYG editor where you can drag and drop function or uh, like tools from the side videos and survey tools and matching puzzles, pieces, and all of those kind of cool things literally dragged and dropped each one of them into kind of different sections of this guide. The guide was all around how the pink Starburst is the best Starburst, that was our thesis. Um, (laughs) And we had every, but this was pre-pandemic, so we had everybody in the office at the time. And as people were completing the guide and walk in going through it, I was monitoring that live and I was going and dropping Starburst on their desk as they were completing it. So it was a nice fun little, you know, game activity or whatever. And then the other piece of that, a lot of platforms also have kind of a video recording option as well to do like pitch certifications. Also a really difficult thing to get reps to record themselves and submit the videos in. So I knew I needed to lower that barrier to entry quite a bit. So I was talking to my CSM at the time at WorkRamp and I was like, I want to run an air guitar competition through the challenge feature, yes. which is their their pitch um, option. And, and she was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but we did it. I, I rolled it out. We did an air guitar contest. We actually did it uh, the first quarter that I was here at WorkRamp as well when I started here. Um, so again, it was this ability to flex on a platform that supported all of these insane ideas that I had. We um, also rolled it out kind of like we ended up rolling it out company-wide. So with the HR department as well. So all of our regular onboarding that was happening for like engineering and products and anybody who wasn't under kind of like my purview of support was able to use the exact same thing. And then my HR, you know, folks were able to go in and say, Hey, I really liked what you did with this guide. I'm going to go ahead and copy it and then just change a couple of things and then roll it out for the rest of the team. So It really does offer this collaboration of I'm creating cool stuff. They're creating cool stuff in HR. And now we can both kind of see that information. Um, And it's the same thing. The great thing about it is that we do also have this external facing platform, which now, and I tell this to all of my new hires that come through like here at WorkRamp, if I'm training my support team that needs to support my customers why am I not giving them the exact same training as my customers or vice versa? Why am I not giving my customers the exact same training as my support team? Because then it takes kind of the onus off of some of them. I'm the type of person that I want to go and like find information on my own before I bother somebody with it. So like, why wouldn't you have that same exact information? So now you really have this hub of all of this great knowledge and training that you can share with anybody internally or you could potentially share it with other people externally if you needed to as well so that was a lot of word vomit
0: oh no that was spot on i mean we're in these languages or we're we're using this language and we're so used to we're so used to talking out loud in our peer groups but what the things that i i keyed on in on in what you said were things like you're using different kinds of verbs. It's not let's go back to the audience. Now you were right to like redefine what you're talking you know. So again, where where I found where I connected with you and Workramp was when I spent time at Outreach. And it was a very complimentary experience. It's sales and enab- we it's a sales engagement platform. And to really do justice to what the platform could do we really needed to train our field and in my tenure there I had seen a lot of attempts at enablement and all the things you're talking about is hey I need to do something that sounds insane it's not it's not I want I have to give you validation that what you think is insane is fun it's engaging it's the kind of content that you can't put, and I'm going to name drop here, if if you're really interested, and this is to the audience, at, at really thinking about how our market of platforms and tools has evolved, you want to go back and talk to someone like John Lay at Downs in Learning. Who does? He's, he's an analyst that looks at the entire marketing of all the different vendors in the ecosystem. Here at C-Lab, we focus on the ones that are customer education and enablement intentionally for one reason, we're niching down. And the point is that, go back to the experience you talked about, you were using some system, you wouldn't use that ever again. Why? Well, they weren't designed to do the kind of things that you were talking to do. How do I do, okay, here's an example where we overlap. Partner training or train the trainer, okay? In a lot of ways, we're effectively doing what, I hate the term train the trainer, it's stuck, I'm I'm going with it, okay? A lot of ways you're really trying to enable someone to enable other people. You're trying to train someone to train other people. We use these words fluidly. When I think enablement, enablement to me isn't a negative word because some people will say, oh, it has a negative connotation. Enablement more is that tactical kind of point training that we need to give somebody to, to accomplish something in their job that's really important. Like I need to know how to use this sales tool. And the sales tool tracks all the information that I am putting in the system. And if I screw that up, F it up hard, you know what? Revenue operations is gonna suffer. Downstream data is wrong. We can't forecast, we can't, you know, right? And on the other part is, who am I? I'm just, I get, you know, often like you, you're someone that gets serendipitously finds this role that you love and you're teaching and you know sales and you're doing all this stuff. You just want to do the insane things. I need to make a class that's going to be engaging. But what's different about enablement? Got to do a teach back. Oh, my God. You know, I I was doing this in training on WorkRamp. And I was having fun with it. It would be like, okay, take this stuff. And the, the, the video, the content would be not just a video. But there's a little you know, exercise and some drag and drops and some flip cards and things like that. I'm like, all right, this is kind of fun. I, I like this. It's neat. It's fluid. It's easy to use. And the end of it, it's, you know, a recording of, of you, Stephanie, saying, now, Dave, I want you to record a five-minute video pitching back this thing you learned. The power of that, that, and this is hard. The power of that, getting somebody engaged enough that they're not scared to show their weaknesses to their entire team who's maybe going to grill them on how well they did a discovery call or whatever like that. That's why we use tools like, you know, Gong and other things too out there to like give us this information about how we're doing. But oh my God, this is the most valuable thing ever, right? It's you're literally giving people that support they need to understand how to sell or to do something. And and that has to be done all the flipping time now. All the time. And it's hard. And if you don't have a system to do that, how do you do it? Well, you know, I have a spreadsheet and I go, did, did Jane do the training? Did Jim do the training? Yeah, okay, I have to walk around. And the, the a very smooth, fluid platform that gives you all the verbs, that's fun, that can support your imagination. And don't ever, all of you in the audience, don't ever... Feel bad about an insane idea. Put it out there. It's probably not insane. Okay, so I'll shut up a little bit, but I, w- I just wanted to frame that up and connect a little bit that these things are important to speed the agility to get content to your field, to help help them understand, to cha- to share. Like if you did something and shared it with me, then I can go faster on because now I don't have to go to discovery work. I go, oh, Stephanie, you just made this module on how to do this thing with the product. Well, I didn't know that. And it's really important. I can bring that into my content.
1: Well, and there is a certain level of ownership for whoever the audience is, whether it's your um, internal sales reps, whether it's your customers, whether it's your partners or like whoever it is. There is a certain level of ownership on the other side of the the house on the audience members to actually like want to go and absorb things and actually take the training that you're doing and I I get this question pretty consistently from people who are like how do I make my reps tr- take my training? or how do I make people like engage with the training I'm like well you first of all you have to kind of like build that trust with your learner they have to know that what they're getting out of this training like is amazing so like while you can find like our platform is phenomenal, and it does give me the ability to, like, come in and create these brilliant, like, weird ideas that I've got. But you also have to come to the table with those brilliant, weird ideas, too. Like, uh, when you mentioned kind of, like, sometimes there are some negative connotations with enablement and education and, like, training. I mean, I've talked to those CROs before who were like, I don't really believe in enablement, so you got to sell me on it in order to, like, make it happen. I was like, who hurt you? Like, what? What? <laughs> Who hurt, who hurt you? Who hurt you?
0: Me, like no, in the tell past. me more about that because this this is a really a, a, this is a crucial point, Stephanie. I think is that what do we have to do to prove the value of like in in, in education? Oh my God, it's so hard now to measure the outcome of education, and I say that and with all intent of scaring people, it is hard to measure education and where I see companies that comment you made, right, is why Why do you doubt enabling our team is going to help? Is it because you've seen it done wrong? And what does that look like? Or is there something else?
1: I think a lot of times it ends up kind of, enablement tends to kind of be, at, enablement training, education, like we tend to be kind of the, bottom of the hill that everything kind of like rolls down into and people are like, that's not my job. I'm not going to do it. And like, we're just like, we'll do it. it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take care of it. Um, So one of the things that I think a lot of times, like you need to shift your thinking of is instead of just being like, yep, boss, I got it. No problem. Be comfortable starting to push back a little bit and being like, what are we trying to do here, though? What behavior are we trying to change? What business impact are we trying to make? What does success look like? Because to your point, Dave, you can't actually, it's really, really hard to tie training to revenue. It's damn near impossible. However, if you start with the end goal in mind, then you can start backing into it as far as like, what do I need to do in order to make this happen? And something like a people are like, well, why should I get an LMS? Like, what is that going to do? I can I can just like run a training on a slide deck and it's not a big deal. It's like, yes, you technically can. However, are you able to actually capture What does somebody know before they actually go through the training? So before, Mm -hmm. like at the very beginning of like a guide, ask some questions around the topic that you're about to train on, get a benchmark for where they fit in as far as like their knowledge level, train it, then ask very similar questions at the very end of it. And you can measure kind of that impact there. That's a really easy like table stakes kind of a thing. Did they learn something in this training that I did? And then if you come to me and you're like, oh, well, Stephanie, I need a pipeline. I need a pipeline training or something like that. We need people to generate more pipeline. Okay, well, I have a million questions for you outside of that. But our goal is to increase pipeline by like 10X. Fabulous. In order to do that, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And then we need to train on A, B, and C in order to get there. So like now I'm able to, and I'm starting to kind of like plug for WorkRamp again, I'm starting to do this with a, within our product is we've got a connector for Salesforce. So now I can mm-hmm. pull in a joined report of Rep A took this training. They got, you know, a 90% grade on the training and I saw pipeline generation increase of, you know, 20% or whatever it is. Now I can start correlating, you know, the training to the thing. It can't just be mm-hmm. Rep attended this training and then they did really well. Nah. Uh that's, that's kind of difficult to make that correlation there. But if you start with the end goal in mind and then back into it from a training perspective, now you can actually start pointing to, are there a number of different factors that could have contributed to this? Absolutely. This is one of them though. However, my training shows because of like X, Y, and Z or whatever it is. So pulling those things together, don't ever start a project without an end goal in mind of like what you're trying to affect yeah. at the end of the day.
0: This is where on
1: my soapbox.
0: <laughs> no, I love it because this is this. You're, you're. This is why I wanted to get you on the show because directionally, functionally, we are aligned in education enablement. Like our minds are one because you start with the end in mind. It's Stephen Covey, you know, old first things first. It's what are you trying to do? I've seen so many teams, and, and I'm not going to name names, but I've seen them. Oh, we need enablement. Okay, great. Oh, we need customer education. Okay, great. What's the goal? Why? Well, I don't yeah. know. We're just going to hire somebody and they're going to figure it out. If And again, breaking the fourth wall, folks, if you are one of those who is today saying, I'm going to hire somebody and I'm going to let them figure it out, let, let's just pause for a minute because listen, go back, listen to what Stephanie just said. All of these points are really vital to you. If you don't have a goal, You can't measure the outcome of that goal. And this is why I would argue that many enablement teams and education teams suffer in SaaS companies because you don't see the outcome of it. It becomes sheer cost center investment. And then the next thing you know, you're cutting the teams as a leader because you haven't achieved an ROI. I am not one of the opinion that you have to measure that ROI first before you power that team. But I believe you need to build the scaffolding vis-a-vis a a platform like WorkRamp or other platforms that allow us to measure. And you're not done yet. The other thing is, gosh, what you said is just spot on. You could get a connector. You're looking at, did I make an impact? How do you know? Well, other things could happen. So you still need to do something called decouple or denormalize or normalize the data, which means you might look at cohorts. Which intentionally have not consumed training, you know. Yep. Frank didn't do the training or whatever, or that whole team didn't do the training yet. I saw an impact, and you can do the negative, like this is data science stuff. Oh, now I actually see almost a correlation. I hate to use that word, but you can get really good at showing these experiments that you're doing, just like customer education does. You're really doing informed experiments. You're being data informed. Yeah, and and you're you're and even more now I see. Enablement teams align under revenue operations, mm-hmm. which to me gets a little scary because it gets scary only because we're, we we are in enablement are an investment. Mm-hmm. And yes, there should be a revenue goal probably associated with our goals in mm-hmm. enablement. But if that's not weighted, because this takes time and experience yes. and a platform, again, plug, um, to do right.
1: One of my one of my first leaders um that I like idolized for the longest time, Hillary Headley, um, she said that we were we did a talk before, like at, at Outreach Unleash, actually a couple of years ago. Yeah. And she came up with the phrase of like learning is a process and you need a process for learning. And it was just like like it just like blew my <laughs> head. And I just like I need to like have it like written on like in script on my wall or something like that behind me. But it's so true is that somewhere between we don't just like give children like a textbook and we're like, have about it children? Now you're, you're educated. And like you have 12 yes, years of man- <laughs> what well, we do. Yes. To be fair. But we have like 12 years of mandated schooling in order. And we like build on top of at like curriculum for a reason. Like it's not just because they're children and like their brains are still molding and whatever. That is a good reason, but somewhere between like, high school graduation and, like, real-life adult world, we forgot that learning actually takes time, like, especially for adults, because we've got so many other things happening, (laughs) pandemics, economic (laughs) strife or whatever, like, family shit, like, we've got so many other things happening learning takes a really long time to kind of like sink in and if you're not presenting information in a number of different ways to all of the different learning styles as well and you're not giving people kind of a path to follow as well as far as like a learning journey it makes a big difference it makes a huge difference
0: yeah I, can't, I can only go back in time and, and tell stories about how I, when I was this company or that company, you'd hear this lament, not a lament, a cry, a wail from particularly services people who were coming in and they were like, how do I learn this? Or salespeople who go, well, I don't really get how to pitch this thing. Or, uh, you know, outreach. The, the, the thing that I felt blessed at for that experience was that I got to work with so many people that were in a diversity of experiences in their career there were a lot of people in that well just let's just face it i mean where the economy shifted we've got all kinds of people that are new in the field of sales there's a lot of people that are very early in their careers and but they learn differently than so one of my favorite objection moments objection in a in a sales enablement thing is even better it's a double objection it's well, I don't need this training and I don't do this because I'm God's gift to sales and my and and I just know all the thing. I, I literally had a heckler in I had to talk to outside of training sessions for because my trainers were really upset because somebody bombed the training and this was a live training, which doesn't happen when we're work ramp doing an on-demand training as much because those people are kind of have to go down the, port, the path or they, they they have to listen and they have to interact and they have to engage.
1: Or they don't like that. I mean, that's the, that's the other like good. What happens what, then? Maybe like, and they just like, don't do it. Like that's the secret to it. Like for me, um, another like, I had a lot of like amazing leaders who gave me little nuggets that I just will hold on to the, for the rest of my life. One of my leaders told me at the very beginning of my enablement career, I'm responsible to you, not for you. So if there are those difficult reps who think they are, you know, the Lord's gift to, <laughs> to selling fabulous, then don't take my freaking training. Like I don't, I don't care. Like I'm going to create this for the reps who actually want to learn from stuff and hell yeah, I'm going to try and get you on board and I'm going to try and cultivate that trust with you, but at the end of the day I can't make you do anything. You're an adult. Do what you want. Like come on. Like either you trust me or you don't. And if you don't, then God bless. Have have at it. Like go go forth and and be amazing on your own then. But Yeah. I'm here to support you and I will do my damnedest to do that, but I can't force anybody to do anything. I will pull out all of my tricks in my bag of tricks, but at the end of the day, like I I can't, I can lead a horse to water. I cannot make it drink all of the other metaphors that I've got.
0: That is great because it's true. And actually I think with with enablement, you could, you can get a little bit more leverage internal from leadership, sure. but it depends on your leadership. I've been Absolutely. Places where like, I don't care what they do and they don't do it. And then we have problems, Yeah. but that's, we're both, let's talk a little bit on the way out. here. We've got about eight minutes or so. And I want to give you a little bit more time again, to talk about where to find work ramp and what yeah. other value, you know, you can promote, but I want to talk a little bit more about how we can join forces and collaborate together as fields of emerging fields of practice. Yeah. Enablement is a emerging field of practice in SaaS, as is customer education, but we have different functions. So what are the things that you think we can do? And I'm specifically asking you of this with respect to WorkRamp as a platform, because I know you do both. Mm-hmm. How would you advocate to people? Let's say, again, breaking the fourth wall, listeners, you're looking at a platform, you have both of these problems consolidation of platforms is an important thing that's going on right now. Right. If you have enablement, I've been in places that enablement teams that have three or four different platforms. Come on. Right. Yep. WorkRamp can do customer education too. So tell me a little bit more how, let's say if you, if really even in your customer education team at WorkRamp or or elsewhere, with clients you've worked with, how do we work together better? How can yeah. we share in this responsibility of nurturing people and how to use our platform? You yeah,
1: know, I think it's, it's, the simplest answer but it's also one of the hardest things to kind of like achieve is just this idea of collaboration and constant communication. I think a lot of times enablement and customer ed tend to sit under typically two separate leaders. Um so usually customer ed sits under like a customer success arm a lot of times and they aren't kind of like looped under the enablement umbrella necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um so I think just like extending that arm across kind of the aisle of like What are you working on? What are some of the things that you're doing? And that's, people ask me all the time, like, well, what books do you read? And like, you know, what kind of like articles are you paying attention to? I'm like, actually, I just, I like talking to people. Like, I like having a conversation and asking like, what are you working on like that's how I learn me personally like the best and I think that's one of the things that I think customer ed and enablement can kind of bridge that gap of like what are you working on what are your top priorities what are some of the things that you're playing around with and that you're having fun with and a platform like WorkRamp, if let's say that collaboration isn't necessarily there I can go in and maybe stock the stuff that you're you're working on and just kind of see. And then I can go and Dave, I can message you and be like, I know we haven't really chatted, Dave, but I just happened across one of your trainings that you were working on and I think it's freaking brilliant. I think I would love to chat with you a little bit more about it. So it kind of breaks down those walls and those silos that will inevitably happen at any company. Like it's going to happen. So you need to address that. Yes, it's going to happen. We sit under two different leaders. You've got your priorities and I've got mine. I'm not saying that we should like stop those. What I'm saying Mm -hmm. is like, can't we row in the same direction and like learn from each other? Cause I think a lot of times, like people come from such different backgrounds and they've got such different viewpoints on things that like, I learn this from my team all the time of like, good God, how did you even think of that? That's brilliant. And like the more that you can kind of expand that out of like, oh, I'm working on this great training. You're like, holy shit, this would be amazing for my sales reps because my sales reps are struggling with this piece of the product. That's what they need. And then yeah. if you have one platform, you don't have to worry about recreating something or downloading a file. And Jesus, if it like doesn't load up properly, like, huh, it's just like, gives me fever dreams. But like, if you've got that one thing, great, I'm just going to like go and copy it and like, soften the edges for my reps or whatever it might be. So that's what I would say is like, it's the easiest thing, but the hardest thing to sometimes accomplish is that collaboration, just talking to each other and just figuring talking. out like, just talking. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you working on? What are you finding fun? What are you not finding fun?
0: I love that. And I I will resonate. I, it, it resonates with me a lot. And it's actually been a big point of frustration because what I've always tried to do is look at I kind of look at customer education and we're always working on really polished content. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that's not really part of my spiel. Ultimately we want to get there, but a lot of times I'm going to market. I got to get the content to market. Scrappy. That's all I care yep. about. I'm yep. mostly focused on two things. One is kind of product education. I'm getting away with that because we're not click paths. We're about how do you use a product to affect customer specific use cases? But then the other side of that is I'm talking a little bit more extrinsically about the space and the market we're in and what are the skills that we need to have in order to effectively, like if I was at Gainsight, I needed to understand as an administrator how to merge different data sources. That's more like a Mm -hmm. database concept. At Outreach, I needed to understand concepts of sales. Uh, What is an objection? I said that earlier. What is this? What is that? What are these things? You're new to the field. You need to learn about, well, how do we actually market or sell to people? What is cold calling? How do you do, you know, how do you you set up some automation around that? And, but those are also complementary internal because a lot of times we'll already have figured out how to do that in an enablement capacity. But I need to bring that through and enable that customer like that too. So yeah. I think it's a natural peanut butter jelly. I do challenge the modern, uh, you know, institutional thinking right now that separates these teams. And I think more and more increasingly, I want to be aligned with a leader above me who is, has both enablement and like, okay, example of this, um, you know, you just don't have one thing, you have it all, um, customer and education and, and enablement, internal aid enablement are aligned and they're under one leader. I think that's great. I might be wrong. So (laughs) aligning more of the functions together and having them collaborate speeds everybody up and it keeps us from being all broken all over the place. And then having a dozen systems and people that don't know what the left hand is doing from the right. So it's a really good opportunity. Yep. All right. We are on the way out the door. So now I'll give you the floor to talk about any other things. We've got a couple of minutes. What else would you like the audience to know about us, about WorkRamp, where to go, what to see? Yeah. Obviously, there will, I will have links on the site. So if you're listening to this podcast in C-Lab, I'll have all the things. WorkRamp is our sponsor. So you're free to reach out to them and talk to them with your heart's content. Anything else that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that um, I, I would love to just kind of like drill in on is if you're using an LMS, if you're not using an LMS and you're just kind of like, well, this is like overwhelming as a tool. Um, What hurt does it have to to kind of like go through an evaluation? We can cover internal, external, which we talked about. We've actually got a um, recently launched product called WorkRamp Content, which at Mm -hmm. your fingertips, you get thousands of pre-made SCORM like files that you can like pull in from one of the vendors that we partnered with. Um, it's an amazing resource, especially for like small teams, really cool. um, which is like super, super exciting. And then um, we've also got a our very first WorkRamp Learn virtual conference, mm-hmm. which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, it's going to be awesome. I might have a session with a couple of really amazing enablement leaders where we're going to talk about like some big bets and trends that we're expecting for 2023. We've got sessions dedicated to enablement, to L&D and HR, as well as customer education. So there's a little bit of everything there for everybody. Um, And then we've got some exciting stuff that's going to be announced during that session um, as well. And it's completely free. So you just join. We've got like a DJ. We're hiring a DJ for like the virtual thing. Come on. It's going to be so much fun. fun. Come and have fun. a dance party if anything else. So, other than that, if you have any other questions about work ramp or Enablement or like anything, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me everywhere because my mug is all over the place. um You can connect with me wherever you'd like. I'm always happy to to chat and shoot the shit and just chill out.
0: Cool, and you've also uh, got the Enablement Squad. Yes, that's, uh, that's yes. a big deal too. And get connected, get out in the community. I've been to some of the Enablement Squad stuff. And it's fun. Uh, if if they do the roadshow, if you do the roadshow and happen to join with that, it's great. Even if you're in customer head, yep. go meet your peers and your your partners and and learn from the experience because it's really, it was really eye opening to me because where I'm thinking about certain use cases for a customer, it's slightly different or nuanced for an internal resource, and that helps you build better external content too. So it's uh, this is all wonderful, Stephanie. I really appreciate your time here today. <laughs> of course. Um, Appreciate your sponsorship and support, and with that, um, let me close the door here on another episode Uh, once again. And I will be speaking at WorkRamp um, Learn as well, so I'll. Yes. Come see Dave. Excited to do that. All right, so. Remember, uh, if you want to learn more, we have our podcast website at customer.education. Just really simple, easy to find. You can find the show notes. There will be a transcription of this episode attached on the website itself. All the notes, all the links, and everything else we can. Uh, If you found value in this podcast, please, please, please share with your friends, your peers, over beers, with your network, and help us find the others that were the reason Stephanie, that you're on the call today is we we have been impoverished by a lack of resources and now we're starting to see them emerge. Um, so it's really great. Um, if you reach out to me, I am usually on LinkedIn, but on Twitter, I am posting more frequently at Dave Darrington. Are you on LinkedIn or on Twitter as well?
1: I'm on Twitter. That. Well, I'm on. Again, I'm all over LinkedIn, though you can find all me over there. LinkedIn. Yeah, we're LinkedIn folks.
0: And thanks to Alan Coda for providing our theme music. And also, last bit of a thing: if you're out there on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, think about giving us a five star. We've got a great track record going, so let's not spoil it. We really, above all, want to share the voices of Stephanie and others in our community. to Get out there and and figure out how we can do this better. So get out there, educate experiment, find new people. Thanks, everybody.